joke and I really need a piss. I mean, look, when the ability occurs, you can like, we'll, we'll chat about some bloody video games you don't care about and you can go and piss. You just piss out the window, it's fine. I don't want to lower the tone of podquisition. Right, yeah, you don't You, you don't want, after last week, you, you <laughs> don't want to uh, make the, the show seem puerile or... or yeah, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Look, yeah. two-thirds two of us on this show have told shit-adjacent stories in this show's history. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know by, by comparison, piss is, is tame. I don't know about that. Uh-oh. I don't know about yeah. that, because it would... It'll, Right, look, I don't. I really don't want to be lowbrow, right? But right, but comes out when not. <gasps> and that is dirty. That is the worst thing a person could have. That is a place where stuff comes out sometimes. Conrad knows he's had one for years. The pervert, <laughs> uh, yeah. the sick freak. I live in shame every day. Right? Well, see, this 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 is why I got rid of mine. I wanted to I wanted to escape the curse of pissing out a dick. That's just that's just that's just vulgar. Yeah, like like you've heightened the tone. On the on the flip side, I did just walk out of my office to go get coffee before we started recording, and I banged my chest against the uh, door frame. And if I'd had tits. I mean... That had been bad. Oh, I've done that. <laughs> People underestimate how much it hurts to, to get bashed in the tits. Oh, know? yeah, yeah, because it was... I don't have tits, and it wasn't comfortable. Yeah, and then I thought, gosh, what would it be like if I had a fleshier fat sack full of nerve endings right there? Mm-hmm. Especially when they're in, like, the process of inbreastening, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then, oh god, they're stingy. There's a little bullseye that gets real stingy in in yeah. the breastening stage. It's ju- actually just hit me that not not a door frame or anything. It's it has actually just hit me that I'm not stingy. Oh well, that's nice. Yay! I've been nothing but stingy for like a year, and no, I think yeah. maybe they're settling down. That's all right. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, here's the thing: it'll settle down and then it will start again. They, uh, they'll be, they'll be stop and start. That's yeah. just how they, how they be. Well, you know what? For now, I'm going to enjoy being able to bound down the stairs. Oh yes. With nary a care in the world. <sighs> I'm so sorry that piss comes out my dick. It's unfortunate. You should be. You should be sorry. It's, right. it's a shame, shameful display. Yeah. Um. But on the plus side. I haven't squirted out any liquid greasy shits. That's good. Phew. Just to heighten the the tone of the show for a yeah, moment. Look, I I appreciate that, and I don't think I stressed this enough last week. I'm glad you waited until you weren't in my house to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just waited until I was at a studio appropriately called Splash Damage. <laughs> yes. That was a great. Oh, if I'd have come up with, if I'd have thought of that last week, right? Yeah. One thing I would have said in that whole thing would have been funny instead of just very, very upsetting. People would have laughed. People would have laughed in, instead of it's just, just crying and weeping and moaning in horror, fleeing, dropping yeah. their phones and fleeing. Uh, I've lost my Boglin's lip ring. Oh no! Um, as well before before we get onto the business of the day, I I know that that basically you know we're running a little admin before the show starts. A little bit of ad. There are these Boglins from the early two thousands, and they have lip rings and nose rings, and you can't find them on eBay because every all the stupid fuckers lose the rings. So I found one with a lip ring, 
and I lost it. Oh no. Much like the stupid fuckers, you lost the ring. The stupid fuckers is me all along. <laughs> it ha- it was there last night. I was streaming and it popped off the lip and was just sort of on the desk around it. And because I'm me, I thought I don't have to immediately put that back on. Yeah. It'll be exactly where I last saw it. It's not. Oh. It's not. It's not. Well, while we're doing the bit where we talk about stuff that isn't video games... I, I can now very excitedly be like, hey, go fucking listen to Spread Your Wings by Convoke. It's out now in all the places where music are. It's actually a good song. It's a good fucking song. There's a lyric video up so you can listen to it and have the words happen at you. And there's a bit in it where I'm on the screen and I'm saying words in a protest and then more shouty music happens. Mm-hmm. Go check it. Go check it out. I'm so, I'm so happy with that track. You should be. I, I heard, like, basically the finished version a few a few months ago now, and every time I listen to it, I'm like, oh, this song's way too cool for me to be on it. And I still feel that way about it. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. It's a very I, good song. I, I'm part of something cooler than myself. Yes. It's a very good song. Your part in it is yeah. really good. They they chose a good bit of, of one of your um, protest speeches, yeah. and it fit the tone really well, and was just very... It's just a very powerful song about trans rights and, and stuff like that. Good good empowering track. Go give it a listen. Yeah. It, is, it is the first song from Convoke, who were a new band, so go go check yeah. it out and pay attention to the stuff they will do in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, you... you um... We're doing a protest. Yeah, that was last week after we yeah. recorded. The day after we recorded. Yeah, yeah. All all of the uh, all of the the videos of all the speeches from that are now up. So if you go uh, check my Twitter, there will be a link to a playlist, uh, or you can search on YouTube for Trans Activism UK, and you'll find it. I think the day went really well. It was very good. I'm glad I was finally able to attend one. Yeah. Even if I got a little bit lost and scared. I eventually was able to come and find you and rescue you. Found me and took me to the protest because I got a bit lost. And the moment I got out of my car, like, in London, people... Because I fucking fucking hate the south of England. The amount of stairs I got just in, like, the two minutes walking to Downing Street. Like... (laughs) Oh god, I was very nervous. It's it's unfortunate because you got dropped off exactly where the protest was meant to be, but about I I don't know how much longer before a little while prior we had had to move the protest because of all cops being bastards and all that. Yeah. They love being bastards. Yeah, but we got a bit of a sneaky look at a map we weren't supposed to see and uh turns out that certain rules they were trying to shut our protest down with don't cover a very specific little patch of grass directly opposite the Prime Minister's house. <laughs> so we led an impromptu march through the streets with um, chants of Boris Johnson's a fascist as we walked through the streets. And it, it worked out. We had a we had a really good day. Lots of um, wonderful intersectional speakers. Like we had a bunch of speakers from a bunch of different backgrounds talking about like the shared fight that all minority groups are going through at the moment, mm-hmm. and I'm real proud of it. You should be. Great speeches. Yeah. I had a... During the protest... Yeah. I had delivered to me personally a very powerful statement. <laughs> yes. When one of the lovely protesters flagged me down, said, are you James Stephanie Sterling? And then just said, 
why isn't Jonathan full of snails? Oh my god! Oh my god! And then I just went on a massive rant, on, stood on this oh. memorial, just went on a massive rant about how furious I am that our mutual friend Jonathan, who was on Road Rules Northern Trail in 1998 and wore his baseball cap backwards, wasn't full to the brim with snails. There was uh, many lovely people there, by the way. Thank you, uh, everyone who um, said very kind words or complimented my jacket. It was it was it was a lovely turnout. It was a very nice, uh, very nice vibe all over in that crowd. Considering we had to move the protest, which involved moving the staging and resetting up the speakers, we needed a bit of setup time when we we'd moved this big group of people to the other section, and the crowd did a really good job of keeping themselves amused with protest chants until we were ready. I was like, thank thank you all. I'm still recovering from having been responsible for moving several hundred people across London. I need someone else to be responsible for this. Thank you. Mm. Oh, it was a day. You looked very ragged. Fuck the fucking cops. <laughs> it's always more tiring than I think it's going to be just because of the pure thing of there are hundreds of people here and I have to be responsible for making sure shit doesn't go down. Yeah. It's a lot to focus on. It was great. I... I've, I've done a protest, I, I briefly, because I was a lot less fit when the BLM protests were happening, but this was altogether scarier, because I'd never done it, and yeah. you know there was a lot of threat and stuff. Uh, but it was such a nice vibe and everything, and the speakers were lovely, and you should be very proud, I'm very proud of you. Um, um, I am very proud of me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be proud of myself for a minute. Hell yeah! Damn right, you deserve that. Oh. You know, you know who shouldn't be proud of themselves. Who should not? Video games. Some of <laughs> right? us have probably played them. Shameful. Who's played a? Who's been shameful and played a video game this week? I guess I could kick off. Yeah. Yeah. I've been playing nothing, almost nothing, but PS2 games this week. Hell yeah. There's a worse generation to play for sure. There is. Yeah. My, my Steam Deck is now just a PS2. I'm glad that like it's easy enough for you to add more PS2 games too. Yes. Weirdly harder to add PS1 games. Yeah. I've managed to get the art of Alien Trilogy appearing on the Steam Deck, but I can't get the game to run. I don't know what it is. There's something... There's some extras, because with the PS2 things, you just drag and drop them mm. in the folder. But with PSX, there's like different files, and I don't know what goes where. Uh, me- message me sometime, I'll, I'll help you yeah, out. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come and tug on your sleeve and be like, all right, I'll... <laughs> um, But yeah, I it the, the, the Steam Deck is just a PS2 now. So I have played quite a few, some not enough to really talk about much, but I did get reacquainted with a game I played the shit out of uh, back when it was first released, uh, The Suffering, which was a game published by Midway. It is a horror action game, and it holds up, I think, pretty good. Like, it's a little bit janky, because, you know, these were the earlier days of, of those sorts of games. So it's a little bit... A little bit imprecise, and, and the controls are a little bit awkward. But for the most part, it is still a very playable game. Having not played this, I'm looking at images. Some of the, like, creature designs are fascinating. Yes. Now, I, I meant to look it up, but I think during publicity, they were, like, making a big deal of, like, Stan Winston helping with some of the creature design. Mm. What's cool about them is... Uh, so the, the game is set in a in a prison, and your character talk is on death row. And every monster is uh, a representation of a method of execution. Mm. 
So you've got like the the main enemies have like blades for for hands and feet, and their heads are detached and sort of clamped onto the body with these like sort of metal structures and you know they represent beheading and you've got these ones that are like have uh big syringes jabbed into their eyes and all over their back uh and they a lethal injection um ones with a whole sort of array of guns and rifles on their back for a firing squad um it was a really cool like thematic design. And for anyone who's not looking at these images, I think it's important context to add those descriptions, but they're all wearing BDSM harnesses. Yeah, they're all a little they're all a little bit bondagey. They're all, all a little bit bondagey a while bit like, king. hey, I've got chainsaws for arms and I've got some some leather around me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a look. Yeah, it's like if if Hellraiser it, it they're they're kind of Hellraiser-ish, but with a a sort of uh, industrial saw-like aesthetic as well. Mm. So yeah, sort of Hellraiser meets Saw in terms of just the the visual design and style. So yeah, it's it's a cool game. You you know run around this prison picking up some guns mm. and stuff. You get just very regular guns, your shotguns, your a Tommy gun, stuff like that. Mowing down monsters, doing very simple puzzles, mostly block moving puzzles because that was all the rage on the PS2. You weren't a real game unless you had a block moving puzzle. So that's cool. It was also one of the earliest games I remember having what like a, a binary moral choice system. Mm. I say binary, there, there is three endings based on whether you're bad, good, or a little bit of both. But yeah, it's got multiple endings, and you've got various choices throughout. Normally, you know, there'll be another prisoner, and there'll be a voice of, of Talk's dead wife being all like, oh, they're innocent, or help them, or, you know, they're no threat to you. And then this other voice of one of the sort of prison ghosts being all like, oh... He, he's a degenerate or he, there's one like he's an immigrant and stuff like that just trying to like push your buttons that way and you can kill them all or not and that'll affect the ending actually affects whether or not Tork killed his family because that's what he's in jail for mm. um, so the actual backstory changes depending on your actions whether you've played as the kind of person who would have before the game started done the thing yes yes so there's that I really like the the uh, antagonist characters. There are three main ones. One of the, one guy that was killed there um, via electric chair, who's just sort of got this burnt out face and he's sort of on your side, um, sort of warning you about what the, the prison and the island it's set on um, does to people. Um, then there's this guy who's like a ghost made out of gas and he was the prison executioner who... Um, got just so into the idea of, of experiencing execution that he gassed himself. And he's the one who's sort of trying to push you into doing uh, terrible things. And then there's Dr. Killjoy. The names aren't... The, the gas guy is called um, Hermes Hate, by the way. And this doctor character, sort of this, this uh, psychi psychi psychiatric doctor, is called Dr. Killjoy. So what I'm hearing is that it's very subtle. Very subtle. Very subtle. Understated. Something, something, people who use, you know, subtlety are cowards, whatnot. Exactly. So yeah, people who use subtext are cowards. Um, <laughs> but I really like the, the visual aesthetic of the Doctor, because he, the way he manifests as a ghost is he's a projection. Like, he can only manifest when there are actual light projectors, like film projectors, and they flicker on and then basically beam an image of him 
Um, and it's a really just neat visual design for the character. It makes me think about the remake of House of Haunted Hill, uh, Jeffrey Coombs' character in that. Mm. Um, so that's very cool, and he's sort of very hammy and everything, and that's neat. Um, yeah, it's, I, I really enjoyed playing it again. I, I very much enjoyed it back in the day. And it, it, yeah, it, I was glued to it, replaying it, very glued to it. I also finally played the sequel, uh, Ties That Bind, hmm. um, because, you know, having really liked the original game, that one I was excited for, and then I, I can't remember what why I never played it, whether I just forgot it existed or just always meant to go get around to it and never did, but I never did. So, like, when was that? Like, 2005, so, like, 17-odd years later, uh, finally played it, and I'm disappointed yeah? Yeah, Ties That Bind is not as good as the first one. It's um, needlessly more difficult, but not in a way that's fun or, like, a, an actual challenge. Like, their version of the Firing Squad uh, monsters, like, just have, like, machine guns and there's no cover. Uh, so you've just got to hope for the best. You get overwhelmed and health isn't as uh, well um, presented as the first game where you had like collectible health uh, kits that you could just press to heal yourself whereas in the sequel they're placed around the map like you know med kit pickups mm. you run out of ammo a lot you never really are at major risk of running out of ammo in the first one um if you run out of ammo for one gun you will have an, a different gun uh, whereas in this one you can only you can only have two guns at once or or one gun and one melee weapon whereas you had an entire inventory of weaponry in the first one so you're limited to two weapons having a melee weapon is almost useless like the further you go in because you will just take damage i don't like the map design so much the prison was a, a unique setting the streets of baltimore uh, not so much the map design isn't as good they're a little more open they're still corridorish but they're a little more open and a little more confusingly structured uh also the first game does you know Quite a few hallucinations and things like that. Mm. The second one just takes the piss. Like, the first five minutes, it's just you're being assaulted with hallucinations or monsters that appear that are regular enemies, but they're not really there. So you just waste ammo, which you don't want to be doing when the game's already sort of making you, like, like run out. So it's just a audio-visual assault compared to the first one. I was disappointed. I've waited a long time to finally play the sequel. And was disappointed. Aww. And yeah, so that, that, that was the first of my PS2 games. I will now hand the floor over to uh, one of my fine uh, compatriots. Uh, Laura, you should go. I, I'm going to ask, have you played anything this week, Conrad? No. Well, no, I've, I've got to play two things. I've played Was one of them satisfactory? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> well, okay. Well, we'll we'll get a few more things out of the way. So I'm I'm going to start with, like, the best of the best of things I can talk about today. You know how last week I was talking about Sony's Game Pass equivalent having some really shitty games on it that are, like, not good? Yeah. Well, Game Pass has got a fucking killer app now. Oh, it, shit. It is, <laughs> I, I, look, it's the, compl it's the complete fucking opposite of PlayStation's offerings. I want to tell you about the new secret killer app on Game Pass. Okay. It, it's called GPS-MDS-Test-App-Base. <laughs> oh, from the... Uh... N-Base series of games. Yeah, A yeah. very long-running franchise. Yeah, yeah. So before I tell you what the... Because it is a piece of software that is on Game Pass, at least here in the UK, I can currently access it. 
I, I'm, I'm going to just read you a couple of reviews before I tell you anything about it, because the, the main thing I'm getting joy out of is, is these reviews. Five out of five stars, life-changing. This game made me feel emotions I haven't felt in years. A true masterpiece with an astonishing orchestral soundtrack, 11 out of 10. This is the greatest game of all time and has made me a better person than I was yesterday. <laughs> Society has been restored with this game. It's one of the, the most games in all of game. <clears throat> so yeah, if you... This is currently on Game Pass and it's clearly not meant to be there. Um, 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 yeah. It's someone's test piece of test software that I think is just meant to be testing whether they can connect with the Game Pass server properly. It loads up a screen with some images of a Windows phone, a laptop, and an Xbox One, a message that says hello, and then information about the app so that you can go to the, the app page and see everyone's reviews where they're trying to get it. They're trying to push it to be the highest rated thing on Game Pass, and it seems to be going pretty well. <laughs> Look, I need, I need, I had to acknowledge it. I, I'm kind of fast. I don't know how something like this gets through and doesn't instantly get taken down. Like this has been up for hours, yeah, and is still there. It's a, uh, it's, it's a large <laughs> system, and it, it, and it's, I, it's complicated. I can absolutely see how this would. I can totally see. I, yeah. I, yeah. And I, with my limited ability to speak from experience, I can see how this would happen. I mean, I look, I I agree with you entirely. But it is funny. But I do love the thought that something that clearly hasn't been cleared and hasn't passed whatever certification it's meant to is just there. Honestly, it is. That's it's the certif. It's not getting. It's getting passed without clearing certification checks that I'm impressed by. It's the cert pass. Yeah. It doesn't matter that it's nothing. It's like, how did you get a bootable piece of software available to Xbox owners without it getting through cert? Yeah, they should probably look into that. Yeah. Because <laughs> something fell apart somewhere down the line. But yeah, that, that quickly thrown aside, I have actually been playing games that have, like, gameplay elements to them. I, I, I started playing through the... Well, I say playing through... Um, I, I checked. I've started checking out the Quarry, which is the new um, supermassive game, the horror choose your own adventure people. Yeah, I've been interested in that one. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like play through it properly recently, like soon. But I wanted to check out, out of curiosity, the movie mode that they've added for this one, which like, well, I think we talked about it in news a while back. There is a mode where you can just completely watch the game as a narrative without any interactions, and there's a couple of options like, do you want everyone to survive? Do you want everyone to die? Do you want to, you know, tweak and mix it up a bit? That movie mode is interesting, in that there are clearly sections of it that are pre-recorded or pre-programmed gameplay moments where someone was very carefully walking a character around and it's not in cutscene angles. And those are definitely trimmed down for length, but that, if anything, makes them more more obvious when they happen. And it's 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 interesting. I don't know how I thought they were going to handle it, but it it's interesting. Um, there's a lot of moments in this that, like, if you're watching this as a movie, you would know it was originally a video game. There's no getting around that because, like, what they haven't edited around is certain camera shots that are definitely, definitely there so you see things you need to do quick time events about. 
So you'll be watching this as a movie, and someone will be running away in the woods, and you'll get like a three or four second like dramatic camera shot of a, a branch on the ground sort of zoomed in dramatically before the person just sort of hops over it. Like, that's clearly a point where there was going to be a, a QTE on screen, and they just didn't put the QTE on screen, but they're still being like, oh, it's a fucking branch, watch out! Oh, oh no. And, like, there's there's moments where the pacing of the dialogue is a little janky when you play it, do it that way, because clearly there is something about the fact that they were expecting you to have to take a second to pick dialogue prompts, and they've not, like... They've not gone in and manually trimmed out the gaps to make it more paced like a film. Also, uh, they've not thought about the fact that if you don't interact with a video game for ages, your controller will fall asleep, right? If that happens in this, it completely pauses the game and you have to wake your controller up and and re-enter the game and unpause it, which can do weird things to the pacing. So, like, that, that mode, it's there and it's functional... It doesn't necessarily feel like they've gone all in on making it the thing it was kind of pitched as. But putting that aside and looking at this as an actual video game, the narrative uh, early on seems interesting, if a little contrived. From what I can tell, like, I'm very early on in the game, so I feel like this isn't, this isn't too spoilery. There is a summer camp, and there's maybe a werewolf in the basement that comes out on a full moon, and... Uh, sorry, there's a fucking very low-flying helicopter over me, and I'm very distracted. Um, I mean, I would be. It's a fucking helicopter. Yeah, it's a fucking helicopter. What are you, what are you doing down here? It's the rules. <laughs> Whenever there's a helicopter, everyone has to stop and look at it. That those yeah. are the rules. Um, but yes, it's it's some kind of like um like summer camp for children, and on a on a full moon, it seems like probably a werewolf happens, and. Some camp counsellors are gonna, through a series of events, get stuck there a little longer than they're meant to, and oops, the full moon happens. The stuff that's interesting early on is that it seems like the werewolf is a known thing by both the camp counts, like, the people who own the camp and the local police, and yet, like, it's just a thing they live with, I guess? In that, like, some camp counsellors are due to arrive, like, the night before camp starts, and the police are like, Oh no, wait at the motel till tomorrow, you don't go there tonight. Like, fucking knowing, like, that there's shit going on. Yeah. And I'm like, and like, they end the summer camp just before another full moon, like a day before, so if you accidentally get stuck there one day late, oops, werewolf probably, and I'm like, that seems like very poor planning if you know there's a, I'm guessing, a werewolf in your summer camp. Like, give it, like, two or three days window either side before you have all the kids in the summer camp there. I mean, and that just makes me wonder about other things that they're not doing at the summer camp, right? Like, exactly. are they making sure those canoes are properly patched? Is there enough enough uh, safety equipment? Are there fire extinguishers? This place sounds dangerous. Will they stop a boy from drowning, right, while the counsellors are having sex, and then him coming back as some sort of, like, machete-wielding <laughs> revenant? Because every time, every time, like, I look at, like, maybe summer camp options for the kids, I'm like, I've got to make sure that they've got, like, like revenant security policies in place. <laughs> There's nothing worse than revenants during a summer holiday. Well, hey, I'll say this. I, I kind of like that they have been so forthright about the premise being, there's a probably werewolf here, and 
people seem to know about it but not be doing anything about it. Why is that? They get that out of the way nice and quick. Oh, so it's like guns in America. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but they get that out of the way quick so that then it's like, look, we've we've told you we've told you what the thing is. Start having tension build because there are people trapped here and and there's going to be a monster. Uh, it feels a lot more like Until Dawn than a lot of the um, the stuff they've been doing in the Dark Pictures anthology, the sort of short form stuff they've been doing recently. Yeah. In that it feels a lot more straightforward. You are trapped in one location. No big, grand, multiple set piece thing about it. Have a horror thing with very clear rules, or at least very clear setup. I, I need to play more of it. I'm, I'm. It feels promising so far. I I, I want to play more of it. What about you, Steph? You played anything else this week? I have. Yeah. Yeah. More PS2 games because, like I said, like my Steam Deck's just a PS2 now. I played another game that I played way back in the day. A game that I'm actually surprised. Well, I I, I would be surprised if the licensing for The Simpsons wasn't notoriously like fucked, because. Um, well, quite a few of these older licenses is like a different com- a different publisher has the rights to them than had them back in the day, and then Fox has its own, and then yeah. it's licensing and trademarks and copyright. Like just a lot of it's just the death of archival and and, and re-releases and creativity in general. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, The Simpsons Hit and Run is a game oh, that yeah. if rights issues weren't what they were, I would have expected to have seen. A remaster or something. There, there have been some fan remasters of it over time. It is a game that, like, there is a lot of love and de- like desire for that game to be yeah. modernized. Yeah, and it's um, yeah, it's one of those games where I didn't expect too much of it back in the day, but it it is pretty neat. It's not great. It's not great, but in terms of licensed games and Simpsons games, and just basically for a Simpsons game that is copying Grand Theft Auto, yeah, it's not bad. Its sole purpose for existing was your parents won't let you buy GTA because it's rated eighteen, but this is it's got the Simpsons on it, but you can play GTA. Pretty like, that's much. that's what it was, and it it pretty much did that pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it was successful at that. So yeah, yeah, it's broken up into levels. It's not like a massive open Springfield. It's more like smaller uh, sections of Springfield that mm-hmm. are broken up by level. So like the first level is Homer and it's his, like the Simpsons house and the nuclear plant and the Quickie Mart and it's sort of that little area. The second level, which I've, I've only got as far as the, the second area, uh, where you play as Bart and that's where most Tavern is and, and uh, the town centre with like the... Jebediah Springfield statue and everything like that. Yeah, it's neat. It's not like Grand Theft Auto insofar as you're running around with a gun and, and you know, engaging in, in all sorts of violence. It's a lot more subdued than that. It's a lot more based in races and time trials and stuff like that. You've got your sort of vehicle hijacking and your open world yeah. stuff. You just Which they explain in story as the Simpsons have done a lot for Springfield, so people just like give them rides. <laughs> um, so you just get in the car and even though you're controlling it like someone else is driving. Like each character has their own car as well as uh, and unlockables. Uh, you collect coins all over the map and you can unlock more cars, uh, which are almost all based on stuff like um, Cletus's pickup truck, the Mr. Plow truck, stuff like that. Like Bart starts with the honor roller, which was Martin's um, 
go-kart in in like a really early episode um, there's all sorts of stuff like that lots of references like if you go in the quickie mart then um jasper is there sort of trapped in the the um, freezer like in the episode where he's trapped in the freezer um lots of little in jokes like that surprisingly strict time limits on things like some of the races even if you like think you're doing really well and you're getting all the shortcuts the like if you're doing something like oh race smithers to work before he gets there first and you get in trouble uh, like he is constantly like a, a foot away from you even if you're like taking shortcuts that he's not like it's very tight uh, not so much that the game is like super hard or impossible but it's just it's kind of stressful like you're constantly like mm. and you don't get much time for the time limits like you know there, there's a lot of ones where you've got to drive from place to place just picking things up you know um go here and, and get different fireworks from different characters stuff like that it's fine it's it's a very straightforward gta light with an emphasis on light it's funny though it's actually got one of my like one of the lines that makes me laugh as much as anything in the actual tv show which is when you play as um bar and you talk to ralph wiggum and he says oh hi mr lisa (laughs) and that line just every time i hear it cracks me the fuck up it's the only one i remember but there are like some original goofs in here that are actually quite funny and it's all, you know, fully voiced and everything. One of the benefits, I guess, of having a smaller cast that does dozens and dozens of voices. Mm. So loads of characters are in there. You know, everything from, like, Fat Tony's henchman to Snake to the more, you know, well-known ones. Yeah, it's it's neat. It's a game that, if it were remastered officially and maybe given a little more of a modernised control scheme, uh, I think it would do very well. Because it was... It's fondly remembered, yeah. Um, but it's one of those ones, one of those unique ones where, as fondly remembered as it is, it doesn't come up very often, either in terms of news about it being made or people like do it, mentioning it in retrospectives and things. It's kind of, it's not that history's forgotten it. It's just that history doesn't mention it very much these days. A lot of people, if you mention it, will go, "Oh yeah, I have very fond memories of this, way more polished than it needed to be licensed tie-in." Just they don't think to bring it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, if if your Steam Deck is also a PS2, through through methods, if you got one of the ones where they put a PS2 inside it, yeah, one of those special ones that put. If if you if you if you're into stealing games wholesale, <laughs> it's not stealing. Emulation is different. However, I also approve of stealing. Um, but yes, if if you have access to that, then I do recommend checking this one out. Like. I wouldn't say like it holds up insofar as you can play it and you're like, wow, this is just as good as any modern game. But it is still fun yeah. and interesting as, as this sort of Simpsons game that was better than you'd expect. And nonetheless, it's not gone down in history as like a triumph or, or anything. Mm. But it is a fondly remembered, moderate creative success. Yeah. I'll do maybe one more and then we'll throw over to Comrade. Yeah. I, I got I got a few to just like rattle through that I don't have like a lot to say about because they're games that have been discussed on the show by people other than me in the past. Uh, but I finally got around to putting some time into Mighty Goose. I really enjoy Mighty Goose. It plays really well. I feel very powerful while going through it. Any game where I can have just a regular duck with no powers as a little friend that follows me around while I'm murdering things uh, is a very good video game. 
Uh, I enjoy the bo boss fight designs have been really fun, and no matter how many times I'm offered companions that offer me actual utility, I will not equip any of them because I want the little duck to be my friend. Also, ever more games need a dedicated honk button. Just a dedicated angry honk yeah. button while you're mid-murder spree. Yeah. I mean, it was the one thing missing from The Last of Us Part 2. If you could just make Ellie and Abby honk, <laughs> and the, the final fight was just a honk-off. It's why Mighty Goose and uh, Untitled Goose Game are the two greatest video games ever made, because both of them had dedicated angry goose honk buttons. I, I'm i not particularly good at this game, but like I appreciate that it has really frequent uh, checkpointing, and that there doesn't seem to be any punishment for that, which is really nice, and... Yeah, it's it's it is just a very satisfying bit game about being a mech goose. It's very good, very good. What you what you been playing, Conrad? Well, gosh, I've been playing Satisfactory. I know this will come as a shock to people. Have you? I have indeed. Actually, I streamed eight hours of Satisfactory yesterday. <laughs> yeah, did you know that I rated you? I noticed about an hour <laughs> later when I came back to my computer. <laughs> I made a big deal of it. Like, I was telling everyone, like, it's he's, he's streaming for X-Day, um, which is the, 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 the... It's the high holiday of the Church of the Subgenius, yeah. The Church of the Subgenius. I was like, everyone go, like, wish him a happy X-Day from me. And I don't know if you saw, like... A lot of uh, comments in your chat that were just lol. Yep. Because after I built it up and sent them over, it was over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, listening to hour of Slack broadcasts from 1985, and it is, God, it's weird. They had this strange premise at the time that the the show that they were making could travel and would interact with other shows so that they could do weird media barrage overlay things and it sounds so amateur like and they're they're doing this intentionally and it is amateur at the same time it's very strange but satisfactory is um yeah so here's 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 the thing here's here's the thing about when you 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 start working on like large organized organizational and logistical systems um, and then you remake them uh, the first time you make them it takes a while but you make them and then the second time you make them it takes longer because now you're thinking about more of the variables and you have other considerations that you have so about the third time I'm rebuilding this logistics system I have literally been trying to figure out where and how to place these containers for like two days oh no <laughs> it, Half of yesterday's stream was placing containers. Four hours of placing containers. This sounds like my kind of game. Oh boy, um, but the system's coming along really well. And the other, the other thing too is the reason it's taking so long is I've started thinking in terms of efficiency. Yeah. And being able to have constant throughput. And so I'm thinking about how much my production is and where it needs to be and how what specific size of conveyor belts that I need so that there's a constant feed, but it doesn't clog up anything. I'm creating buffers and it's just going on and on. And it, it, the fact that I have the capacity to do all of these things is is very, very deeply satisfying and it will look beautiful in six months when I'm done and ready to move on to the 
update that they will have out in like another two. Uh, it's, uh, but it is beautiful. I have started color coding things and, you know, because now when I'm laying out where buildings and structures need to be, it's too vast and I can't visualize it all without having color to differentiate it. It's, it's, it's a lot, but I've also got a little conservatory where my lizard doggos live and I can go pet them. So... You know, it's 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 a very, very good game. And I do really appreciate all of the people who have come and told me that they've checked the game out or became interested in it as a result of hearing me do this every week on this podcast, because that's good. I'm glad some of that's getting through. Because it, it is just very well made. And I, I'm uh, I keep hoping that they don't fuck it up in revision uh, because it's very good and I'm loving it. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What else? What else have, have you all played? Uh, Steph, what, what you played? I, I did one a minute ago. What, what about you? I will um, rattle off uh, the last of the PS2 games. Shadow Hearts. Now this, this is a game that I have been demanding. The, the whole series. I've been demanding a re-release of these. This is one of those ones that sort of, the rights are kind of God knows where they are. The last thing to ever have, have come out of Shadow Hearts was a fucking pachinko machine. Um, but this was a series of, of not obscure, but certainly quasi-forgotten Japanese role-playing games. They were cult even during release here. Yes, cult is definitely the word for it. Like yeah. They're not obscure, but they, they are cult. And the people that are in, into them, such as myself was, mm-hmm. uh, are very into them. I actually never played the third one, so I'm looking forward to finally getting around to it. But the first Shadow Hearts, I like did all the side quests and got super into it. The second one is just fucking... From what I remember, because I've not gone back to it yet, but from what I remember was fucking brilliant. I fucking loved that one. As I recall, one of the things about those games is that they do a really good job of just getting you into narrative and characters immediately. Like, it doesn't fuck around. Oh, yeah, it doesn't waste time. And I really appreciated that even then. Yeah. It starts with an old man with a little ghosty demon thing, like, just slaughtering a train full of people. Yeah. And then immediately goes into a fight, and then you find a girl and, and, uh, like, rescue a girl, and then it's straight... And then you walk into the first village, which is full of cannibal demons, and and it just doesn't let up. Really good music, well, sort of hit and miss music. So the battle music's very droney and repetitive. It's just a woman going ah, like that, just over and over. But things like the London level, for years, I've every now and then just sort of thrown up the the London's background music from Shadow Hearts because it's just such a fucking bouncy little tune. Uh, so that's that's good. I had forgotten how, how do I put this, how sexual assaulty the game was. Now, I remembered it was a bit spicy, but our protagonist, our hero, the first thing he does uh, when he sees the unconscious heroine is ask himself, I wonder if she'd mind if I, with a little heart above his head, and that's not the last time the game implies that he wants to basically touch her while she's unconscious. That's the hero to say nothing 
of the gay acupuncturist who clearly assaults the player characters when upgrading their weapons uh, for comedy effect. Quote-unquote comedy. I had forgotten just how bad it is. Yeah, not so much that I'm like, I'm finding this unplayable. It's just very... Oh, yikes. It's stark, yeah. Yeah, I remember the second game not being so bad. Still a lot of, like, just camp gay content. I believe the second one is where you collect... There's a a series of collectible cards that are just, like, naked muscle men. It also has a legendary line. One of the bosses is a gigantic cat, and the main... um, The protagonist, Yuri, in a cutscene just says, Oh, that is one giant pussy. (laughs) Uh, That's a line that never left me. Um, but the battle system's pretty neat in the Shadow Hearts series. It's the Judgment Ring, where you input commands, be they spells or attacks, and in order to successfully pull them off, a dial travels around a circle, and there are these little coloured quadrants on the circle, and you've got to hit a button in time with the dial hitting them. And each uh, quadrant has a little edge near the end that's in red, And if you get it in there, then you deal extra damage. So it's a bit of a risk-reward thing because, you know, if you mistime it, you will not be able to perform that attack. But if you hit them, you know, you can get multiple attacks per turn by hitting each one. And then if you want to risk it, you can go for the tiny little red slivers and deal extra damage. Um, It was just a way of spicing up turn-based combat. And neat. And never really... I don't think another game sort of replicated that. Uh, The closest I can think of is Lost Odyssey, which had a similar thing where a circle, a big circle would close in on a small circle and you just had to sort of time that. Mm -hmm. There was nothing quite like the Judgment Ring. And it was interesting in that you, when you go to the, um, let's just say the handsy acupuncturist, lol guy, lol, not only can you upgrade the attack power of every weapon you find, but you can actually upgrade the, the ring as well to widen the effective areas uh so yeah it's it's a weird game the enemy designs are fucking bizarre uh the story just goes off the fucking rails but not in a bad way um so yeah yeah i'm i'm enjoying it it's been very nostalgic i'm looking mostly forward to playing uh, shadow hearts covenant after i'm done with this but i do want to do this one first just very quickly i haven't played very much of these drakengard my ex-wife loved that game. Yeah? Yeah. I wonder what she'd think of it these days. It's fucking shit. Oh, she'd hate it. She'd hate it. It is shit. Like, I remember at the time, because it was... I was interested in it because it was a bit like D- uh, Dynasty Warriors. Right. That's how it was sold at the time. It was like, you're a, a warrior going up against armies. But unlike even the early Dynasty Warriors, it's so bare bones and basic and shite. Um, you get like, your combos are like minuscule and you get like one extra attack on top of just hitting one attack button. It's not armies. It's you versus very small, far spread out little clumps of soldiers. There'll be like a unit of five soldiers and then half a mile down the road, another unit unit of five soldiers combat is just excruciatingly slow and dull and clunky i remember at the time thinking it's a bit mediocre but going back i'm like this is almost unplayably shit um and of course this was the game that spawned um not only other dragon guards but the near series mm-hmm. as well like this is all yeah um, was it yoko taro um yep. all of this is connected but 
God, it's really bad. It is so bad. One half of the game is is these awful, awful uh, Dynasty Warriors, like stripped down, boring Dynasty Warriors sections. And then a fucking messy, awfully anarchic, busted fucking Panzer Dragoon thing. Because the story is basically Dragon Heart. You make a pact with a dragon, and then one half you're fighting as the hero, and then the next, you're it's like an auto flying thing where you're you know targeting weird ships in the sky. It's so bad. Dragon Guard is bad for a series that ended up very good. It started kind of rough. Mm-hmm. Never played the sequel because I was just not impressed by the first. I did play Dragon Guard three, yeah. um, which came out in more recent times. Still a good few years ago now. I meant that one was entertaining. And of course we have the Nier games, you know, Nier Automata being a fucking masterpiece. That game is really good. Fucking gorgeous. Um, So yeah, that's Drakengard. Shit. Dark Watch, um, which I... I had to I had to watch the Ubisoft logo before that one, so just a quick reminder uh, that they spent um, years and years and years protecting sex abusers. Uh, Dark Watch was a first-person shooter uh, on the PS2. I have a friend who worked on that uh, oh. from like way, way, way like bef- we were friends before uh, either of us got into video games professionally, and um, yeah, hi Scott, you are he, he's probably listening to this, but hi, hello. Hello, Scott! Hey! I don't know. Do I know Scott? No, you Have don't I... know Scott. No? No. Oh, well then I... Res- I, I res- but that's okay, re- Scott, Scott will appreciate the, the greeting, yeah. Okay, Yeah. alright, well I'll, I'll reinstate it. Um, so Darkwatch, first person shooter, set in cowboy times, but with vampires and skeletons and like zombies and shit. Um, it's alright. Yeah. It ain't bad. It's alright. Yeah, it ain't bad, it's... Something of an also ran in terms of first person shooters. I think there's a reason it didn't sort of progress beyond that one game and it's sort of forgotten now. It's one of them ones where it's like a curio. It's like if you're going to check out like PS2 games that aren't the famous ones, uh, then that is on some lists. Well, and this was this was the developer of that. They were, um, I believe that's High Moon Studios. And, oh. And they they did Transformers games they also. Did. That was their other thing. Yeah. They did the, if I recall correctly, they were the ones responsible for the really quite good War for Cybertron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. But, I mean, but it's that but it's that kind of studio that they're making yeah. their money on, you know, licensed stuff, and this is their sort of passion side project that they can only put so much into and have to release. Yeah. And, you know, a kind of gothic horror cowboy thing is, it's a neat concept. It is, yeah. It's, uh, well, and it's very reminiscent of a um, tabletop role-playing setting that uh, I'm a big fan of called Deadlands. Ah, oh, right, um, yeah. Which... Yeah, I've brought up before. And so it's got a bit of that. It's a little more goth than that. I remember it having a really horrendous vehicle. Uh, so I'm not on the vehicle. I've done a horse horseback section. I seem to remember there being a rough-ass vehicle, yeah. Uh, okay, well, something to look forward to if I play more of it then, I guess. Yeah. Um, and just quickly, uh, I also played Bujengai. Oh, I think I think I've played that. I think I've played that. Yeah, this was um, this was a game sold entirely on the fact that the character model was based on Gact. Yes. Uh, this was actually my first introduction to Gact. So really? no matter how no matter how good or bad the game was, I'm forever grateful to Bujingai because oh my god, Gact. Yeah. Oh wow. Can I'm I surprised. Just, I'm really kind of shocked. I would have thought. Can I just take a moment to to just emit a staff noise for Gact, please? Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I. 
God, I had a thing for Gagged. Um, still do. I mean, just pretty, pretty man. So yeah, Bujingai was um, basically a mediocre, if we're honest, a very mediocre Devil May Cry. You go from level to level, just hitting monsters, and that's about it. It tried to be deeper than that. It tried to have this sort of cool swordplay mechanic. But what it amounts to is like the most stripped down, simplified bullshit. The idea is, in their heads, it's like an, an enemy attacks you and then you automatically start parrying and parrying while they're attacking and attacking and it's really cool. It's like flying swords everywhere and then you can reverse it, but they can reverse it on you. But the mechanics behind it are like ridiculous. Stand still. If they hit you, you will automatically enter the swordplay. It's just, <laughs> no. it's just automatic. There's a like a meter, like a stamina type kind of meter governing it. If it runs out, they'll hit you. But if you just stand still and they hit you, it automatically happens. And then if you press square at literally any moment, you reverse it and then can attack them for extra damage. And, you know, some of the other enemies can reverse it back, but they don't actually, like, hit you back. They just reverse it back into the sword play, so you just hit square again. That's about it. Uh, there's some magic as well, which is sort of similar um, in terms of being able to parry magic. But it's like one of those things where it's like, I could see what you had in your head. I'm just curious as to why you did nothing to make what was in your head happen in real life. You just made it... You, they made it look exactly how it was in their head. Usually that's the problem. You've got an image in your head and you can't make it look as good as it is. It looks as good as it was in their head. It's just... It's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. There is something there, but that something is still in their heads to this day. But other than that, it's it's got some fun little monster designs and, you know, the character model is gagged, so... Mm. Uh, cool. Uh, as we're getting on in time a bit, I'm going to real real rattle through yeah. the uh, other couple of games I've got. Um, I played some Paparazzi. Conrad, you're correct, that is a wonderful, wonderful game. It really is. It is real good to switch your brain off material, and it never makes me feel in any way pressured to do anything other than have a nice time photographing dogs who are very happy to be photographed. I played some of Disc Room, which is a game about uh, you're in a room, saw blades are coming at you from all directions, you do some objectives, it unlocks doors, you go to a new room where bl new kinds of blades are trying to get you. I like that for a, what is essentially a top-down bullet hell experience of like trying to avoid the many, many projectiles. It's all very small self-contained rooms that largely are like, hey, stay alive for like 10 seconds. They are very manageable um, chunks of focus. Because like, I struggle with bullet hell games because I lose focus for a second and get murdered. I really like a game where, you know, a lot of the objectives are things like, get killed by X number of different types of saw blade. Like, okay, cool. Like that's that's a thing I can actively try and do. Stay alive for this brief period of time. Um, reloads are really quick. There is a good amount of um, abilities given to you to help you with maneuvering around that bullet hell experience. It's pretty fun. I, I initially picked it up and was like, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying so often I feel bad at this. And within like a few minutes, I got over that hurdle and was like, I actually really like this game. And 
Yeah, that, that'll probably do. Uh, Conrad, what's the other thing you played this week? Uh, so, well, I did finish Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Mm. And, yep, great, enjoyed it, a lot of fun. Hope they add more DLC characters moving on. Uh, the other thing that I played was also a tribute game. I hadn't played it in years. Um, I guess they've released a definitive edition about, like, four years ago now. Uh, Mercenary Kings. Do you remember this? Oh, what? Mercenary Kings. Yeah. Yeah. The name rings a bell. It's a, it's a metal slug-inspired uh, shooter that's mission-based and has a ton of crafting so that you can optimize your guns, like, with individual parts. It's like, it's like a loot shooter version of a, a metal slugger or a Contra. It's sort of slower-paced. You have a, a time limit in these areas to complete a variety of missions like hunt down a specific enemy or uh, rescue hostages and, and things like that. And then you'll explore one of a few different maps to do this and they've got different corridors and they're all pretty expansive as you fight a pretty endless and constant barrage of enemies and they drop loot that you can pick up and then when you get back to base you can use that loot to craft improvements to your weapons um and there's a story that that goes on and on that is uh you know kind of ridiculous and funny um it's a really really good game it's very crunchy is is the problem i would say in that in that like there are a lot of configuration options and you will spend a fair amount of time in menus min-maxing between runs or optimizing for what you're about to go do. And that can be fun, but over time, uh, I can already see, I can remember why I stopped playing it because there's just so much of that and it's sort of easy to get bogged down and feel overwhelmed. But when you when you get in on a gun type that you like, because they have, you know, assault rifles and uh shotguns, pistols, but that's, you know, your base and then your barrel can be from a different type of gun. Your magazine can be from a different type of gun. And every single one of these will improve some stat, but could have, you know, significant effects on others and finding cool combinations that produce varieties of spread effects or rapid fire or just massive damage is really fun to do. Also, in the updates, they have added stuff from their other games. So, there's uh, the hook shot from Flint Hook. Oh yeah, is apparently a, a knife now that you can a combat knife you can have in Mercenary Kings. I thought that was very cute and fun. Great character designs. The art's good. Um, it's not as fast paced as you might expect from this type of game. It's definitely more deliberate, but it also is uh, you know then you're gonna feel hits. It does have an interesting feature because all of the stages are time-based. The recovery rooms where you respawn should you die, they also serve as health regeneration spots. So if you find one, you can hop in there and wait for a minute and heal up and then go on. It also uh, has up to four-player four co-op, online, or local multiplayer. Uh, the local multiplayer works really well, and one of the features I really like about it is that uh, while you can't, you can no longer pause the game when you're playing locally in multiplayer. The the way they divide the screen up, they still use the four 
way division as if you were playing four player which seems like it would be too small of a screen to work with visually if you know you could take up 50 percent, but you don't need it and then you get the whole map which is so fucking crucial in this game because the areas are so large having indicators of where you could go to find something can be really really helpful especially when you're chasing down bosses because they will, you'll fight them for a while, and they may just be like, eh, fuck it, and leave. And then you've got to go, like, run all over the map, figuring out where the fuck they went to next. But the game is really fun and very well made for the crunchy thing that it is. Uh, it's worth checking out. Yeah. So yeah, Mercenary Kings, you should should play that. Play everything Tribute makes. Everything Tribute makes is is good. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get through a couple of news stories. We've got a couple of them this week. This is just a nice PSA. If you want to pick up like a bunch of games and support good cause, on itch.io right now there is a bundle for uh, raising raising abortion funds. Um, over 750 games. Minimum cost is ten dollars, but all proceeds are donated uh, donated to charity. It is a real real good bundle of games. There is a lot of stuff in there. Uh, it's it's right about to meet its goal. It's about ninety eight percent of the way to its two hundred thousand dollar goal. It's a few grand off hitting that goal now, so yeah, go go check that out. That's that's good. We got more countries looking at banning loot boxes. Yeah, that that continues to be a thing. Good. Political parties in the Netherlands uh, are generally in agreement uh, with a new attempt to block the sale of all video game loot boxes in the country. Six six different political parties in the Netherlands say they will support the motion, which would bring Dutch law basically in line with Belgium, where loot boxes. Haven't been a thing for like four years. Love to see it. Of note, the motion describes loot boxes as a form of gambling and states that children in video games are manipulated to purchase. Fucking yes, thank you, thank you for catching up. It's a shame it's only the Netherlands and Belgium right now, but at least, at least we added a second country to the list. Mm hmm. Conrad, you want to talk about not itch.io? Oh, you mean W3 itch? Yeah, Witchio. Yeah, the the laziest fucking copy attempt of something I think I've seen in a it's, very uh, long time. It's it's uh, it's pretty bad. Yeah, so uh, itch.io, the very very good. Yeah, we we just mentioned them. Good good place for for indie stuff. Good, yes, the very good place for indie stuff, and uh, you know. Uh, I have a lot of love for them. I, I, I sell things on them. It's a great company. Um, I've had a great experience there in just about everything that, I, that I've, I've had to interact with them. And the, uh, yeah, uh, somebody thought, saw all that and thought, yeah, that is great. And uh, we're just going to make a copy of that for the Web3 <laughs> because, you know, everything is uh, Web3 now. Ugh. Yeah. What if what if we took itch.io and we copied and pasted like the, the 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 like everything of how the website was made, but we put some NFTs in there? Yeah, that I mean, yes, that is that is what it is. This is you know uh, an effort to throw in all of this blockchain bullshit into a marketplace, but they and and they recognize. They stole the visual look. They used the CSS from it. They didn't even bother to change the name or come up with an original name for it because they knew that the only way it would work is if people had the reference point of itch to be like, oh, so this is itch for that. Cool. Yeah. In addition, there was a uh, a bunch of product seemingly just 
uploaded to the site without the owner's permission. A lot of RPG Maker content. Uh, it seems like a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that didn't have a minimum price and you could technically have for free off it was just downloaded and re-uploaded. So yeah, that's uh yeah, that's pretty. It's it's pretty entertaining. I will uh I will say, and one of my favorite parts of the story is uh where uh Itch's founder uh Leaf Corcoran commented on it by commenting on the GitHub for the project as a bug. Yeah. <laughs> they put it in as a bug on their GitHub page, and that is that's great. I love that. Yeah. That the website does now appear to be down. I could not find as of the time of recording whether it had been voluntarily taken down or not, but it does not appear to be an accessible web page anymore. And the thing is like they Here's the thing about all this web web 3.0 bullshit and crypto, like all the stuff that's connected is they they can't help being shady. Like they constantly want to like convince people it's not a con. Mm. But literally everything they do to promote it is some sort of scam or some sort of underhanded like <laughs> subterfuge or, or attempt to trick or steal or, or what have you. Like from taking over people's YouTube channels to initiating like spam bots uh, to scamming each other <laughs> and everything. I have... I have a new favourite part of this story. Oh, yeah? Right. What have you learned? So, on the comments of the Git for the... Uh, on the bug report in the GitHub, uh, and this is the only open bug currently, uh, I think. It, it says, please remove stolen intellectual property. They have tagged it, uh, bug, good first issue, help wanted. <laughs> <laughs> that was as of six days ago there hasn't really been uh, any, any more progress on it since that time but i boy i hope they squash that oh hey who's ready for another reason to like to talk about how shit ubisoft is oh i mean i mean i never pass on an opportunity to talk about sh how shit uh ubisoft is treat ourselves yeah so the headline that was going around was uh, Ubisoft's pulling online features from a bunch of its older games. This is unfortunately pretty standard in this industry. At a certain point, games just stop working because people don't want to pay for the servers anymore. But what's more interesting, I think, here is that several of their games, if you own them, you're just going to lose access to DLC you purchased. Like, access to DLC in some cases, will go away when they take away the online features, for some reason. So if you have any DLC in Assassin's Creed 3, uh, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, uh, Assassin's Creed Liberation HD, uh, Driver San Francisco, Far Cry 3, Prince of Persia The Forgotten Sands, uh, Silent Hunter 5, y your DLC that isn't online content is going away. You're just not going to have access to it anymore. Wow. So. Well, this is, you see, this is, this is why you need NFTs, you see. <laughs> you got to get that quartz because it wouldn't go away if you, if you owned it. Yeah, you, you would still you own would still the own receipt it. that says once upon a time you owned some <sighs> DLC. You'd have a receipt for your DLC still. Actually, you do. I mean, yeah. Especially if you paid with a credit card, there's a. Uh, a change. You do have the receipt. My God, there's really, literally nothing that this shit does. <laughs> <laughs> 
And the last story, we got a nice light thing to end up uh, and with. There is currently a physical real world uh, billboard that is causing some problems advertising a f- an event in Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, so Final Fantasy XIV, the Final Fantasy MMO, some people who have some kind of like guild in, in this MMO have decided to put together an event, a ticketed nightclub event with DJs playing and such, and they decided to put up a billboard advertising their in-game event. Now, a couple of problems with this. They've used a bunch of official, like, assets from the game and game logos, which, um, you can, you can understand, like, even before we get into the specifics why Square Enix wouldn't be too happy about that. Some of the content on the billboard is modded content for the game to make characters sexier. And the event that's happening is a... It's an erotic event, which, again, there is nothing on the sign to tell you this, Hmm. but it is an erotic role-playing nightclub event that is currently being advertised on a physical real-world billboard, which is a a whole thing. It has gotten a bunch of the people who were coming up with this event have been banned from the game, but largely it's just led to a lot of a lot of confusion in the community and people playing the game going, oh god, don't make us seem like we're terrible like this. So yeah, it's 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 a weird it's a weird situation that has come down and has just led to a bunch of people getting banned from a game because they were too public about their sexy nightclub parties. <laughs> you got you gotta be you gotta be on the down low about your sexy nightclub parties. Yeah, you really should not be getting a billboard for your sexy nightclub party. And if I'm honest, yeah. I don't think I wanna go to a sexy nightclub party that would advertise like that because Exactly. It, it, you don't know who's showing up, right? Like you want a sexy nightclub party to have a sense of intimacy associated with it, you know? You want a curated list of people. You want to know that, like, anyone who walks through that door is safe to see your titties. Or special in some exactly. way. Exactly. You, know? you know, like, yeah, there's, there's, I, I, I don't, I don't generally approve of gatekeeping. And that's not what it's about. But word of mouth, mm. When it comes to a sexy party, it's all about word of mouth. Exactly. Um, so, d- d- very sorry that there will not be a sexy party at this moment in in the video game. You might have to go to a real world sexy party instead. Sorry, everyone. Uh, and I think that's it. We did. We did all the things. Did we do a show? We did a show. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh God, we have. Oh God, yeah. Um, oh, I did forget that I played Sonic Origins as well. Oh. So Laura, um, <laughs> let's just move on to on to like you telling everyone like stuff that you do, right? Stuff and and do like on on the internet and that, oh. right? and then people can go to it and then they know that it is a thing you've done. Well, you can go uh, check out "Spread Your Wings" by Convoke. That's out now. Go check it out wherever music happens to be. Go check out all the videos from the protest by going to the YouTube channel for Trans Activism UK. Other than that, just find me at Laura K. Buzz everywhere. That's where everything ends up. What about you, Conrad? Oh, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can hang out with me on Twitch where I, you know, will be working on and showing off the factory as it progresses. That's twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. I also play other things there. Sometimes. 
Uh, you can buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at pitfultruth.com. Audiobooks are available at conradreads.com. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? <gasps> James Stephanie Sterling. Hiya! Yes, I do have one of those. It is patreon.com slash jimquisition. Uh, that supports this, supports the show, you know, the video series and all of that stuff. Yeah, thank you very much for your continued support there. Uh, I also stream Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. Uh, now that I'm back from London, getting back into the swing of that. Current wrestling dates between <laughs> last episode and now. Quite a few. <laughs> it doesn't stop. Things have started popping off for Commander Sterling. So, July 16th in Preston, PCW's Wacky Rumble. It is a wrestling event at an inflatable park. Um, very excited about that one. Also, this one I've, I've been personally eager to be part of. Uh, in Leicester on August 6th, uh, Wrestling Resurgence, which is a very theatrical, um, art-focused wrestling show. Uh, so I've really wanted to work for them. That's at the Y Theatre in Leicester. I will be part of their Resurgence Rumble event as one of the entrants competing for the Resurgence title. Uh, very excited about that. On uh, August 20th in Newcastle, uh, Avant Garde Wrestling is having their debut show. And I will be basically throughout that entire show as its uh, director of ceremonies. And October 1st in Manchester, Sovereign Pro Wrestling. Uh, that's one of the biggies of the year. That is, I'm, I'm in an eight-person um, elimination match for the Crown Cup. Uh, also featured in that match is Simon Miller from What Culture and the explosively popular Kid Bandit, um, who people have been wanting to see uh, fight Commander Sterling all year long. So, yeah, those are the current dates. I am expecting others in between. Uh, but yeah, Commander Sterling's picking up business. And we will pick up our business of this very podcast next week so thank you all for listening and all of that all the support all of that stuff and yeah we'll see you next week thank you very much bye bye bye